and welcome to another episode of Ripping the Rack podcast. Uh, This is episode 100 and something. I don't know. 5, 3, 2, 10, 70, 69. Who the hell knows? We're we're just the longest running. That's all that matters. That's it. That's it. Uh, Let's see. I am your host, Tim Matero. With me today, I have two guys from the north. One further north than the other, but let's introduce uh, coming across on my screen is Jill Wood. Uh, don't know, <laughs> don't, don't know what's up with that, but we know where. I want to be a winner for once. Yeah. <laughs> with us today is Tommy Wood. Tommy, how you doing, buddy? Not bad. How you doing, Timmy? Great. Doing good. Great. Good. Grand. I don't know. It's Monday. You're not. And bold. you're always and the great. King of the North, Calvin Locke. Locke. Yeah. Okay. Lucky. How you doing, buddy? <sighs> Tired right now, but yeah. I'm good. 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 Yeah. Enjoying uh, the Red Sox season is almost over. <laughs> um, you kidding? However, Our season was over in June. I know, but I mean, like, over, 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 over. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Without us today, uh, not joining us is uh, Brian. Brian's father, uh, good news, is came home from uh, the rehab, skilled nursing on Saturday. So he is, you know, helping his dad out and getting him back on track. So we wish uh, Brian and Ray and Kelly and everyone else the best. And Brian will be joining us in a couple of weeks. Um where we will have uh, a more serious conversation. So uh, I, as I sit here, start laughing because I'm looking at Calvin and it uh, just makes me but laugh. I know. Uh, I make everybody laugh. So, yeah, we will. We'll be having a more serious conversation in a couple of weeks. But for tonight, uh, we've got some bowling topics. And then we have our top 10, courtesy of Tommy. Uh, our top 10 sports dynasties uh, that all have Tim Matera in them. Good luck with that one. Uh, Tim Matero's head, Tim Matero's <laughs> arm, Tim Matero's <laughs> leg. How far back uh, are we allowed going? Yeah, yeah. well, you know. Find old Timmy yesterday on a dynasty. Jeez. God, you got to go. You got to go old school on that one. <laughs> Calvin. Yes, sir. Talk about Canada. Canada. There was a tournament this weekend. Tournament this weekend. Tournament this weekend. Uh, we don't need to talk about it. Corey won. Who cares? Nobody wants Wait. to talk about Corey winning anything. Which, which Corey? Corey Jones? No, Corey Smith. I know. I was trying not to say the name. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Corey Jones won. Yeah. Nice. If, if if we switch the S and the J on the scoreboard, Corey Jones won. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was the... Uh, King of the King of the Hill. Well, it ended up being just a regular singles tournament. Um, Corey didn't get enough interest that he wanted for people who wanted to pay the extra to get in, I guess. So he's talking about now doing maybe like a five out of seven or something that you show up to every one of them if you want. Like we could put on nine or eleven, but they only take your best five results. That's what you get for points. <clears throat> so makes it interesting makes people not have to show up every month just to get the points okay right so there's a lot there's less commitment like you know if you think about it if you're spending the extra money to get in and you're spending the 40 50 dollars each time 
to get points because I had to be there every time. I was there every every month, and I still didn't make playoffs. So I missed the one the one time I missed, and that was the one that cost mm-hmm. me playoffs. So yeah, you have to show up to every one if you're not winning them at least once or twice. Ooh. Yeah. So it is it is a little bit of a commitment if it's not worth it. So this one might be a little different where you only have to show up to five of them. And if you have enough points after your five, then you need to worry about it, right? So it'll be good. I like this idea a little bit more better. Maybe we get more people to show up. It's only once a month. So, you know, Tommy, Jill, just saying, you guys can come down. <laughs> and, you know, Donate our money. Yeah. No, you wouldn't donate money. Yeah, no, we, we'll be down. We'll be down. I'm just teasing. We'll be down. So, so Tommy, what's is anything going on in the St. John Valley? Any uh, yeah, tournaments? To, anything? Don't have to be the only one to talk about this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have to be. I don't. I wouldn't know. We uh, honestly, my ball season just wrapped up there last weekend. So, like we uh, we played provincial in the yeah. provincials there a little bit ago. So I haven't even started my leagues yet, but I do know down in uh, down in Fairview they have like just weekend tournaments and things like that every other weekend. So there's always something local going on, but nothing that really pushes outside the Greater St. John area. Nothing too too notable, but a lot of fun, good crew, and it's a good way to spend twenty bucks and hobnob with people doing a three six nine or some you know little daytime fun stuff. Cool. Nothing major. Okay. Uh, upcoming stuff. Uh, no, God, I gotta really. be—I gotta be honest. I—I I have no Honestly, idea what is upcoming. Like, I tried I to find. I when they announced the when he when uh, uh, Paul posted, you know, the results of the the ladder. I'm like, what? What ladder? What do you mean? There was a ladder. Who qualified? When was this qualification? What? I thought we were talking about a qualification that's coming up in October. Like, there is so much going on. I have I can't even keep up. I don't that, even know. And, and therein lies part of the problem down here is there is a tournament every single weekend. Guarantee it. Somewhere. Somewhere. And it's not and I'm not talking about, you know, a, a small little best box in, in Belfast, because they run that almost every Friday. They they run some type of nine pin best box, something fun. Almost right. every Friday night. I'm talking an actual tournament with decent payouts and everything else is there is almost one every weekend. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's a bitch to keep up with. Um, yeah. I will tell you, we do have the, uh, the third and final stop of the trip, uh, triple crown series. Uh, that is coming up at Lita lanes this Saturday, October 1st at 11 AM. This is the 20 stringer. Uh, it's 150 bucks to enter. Reach out to Lita Lanes and let Lexi know if you're going to make it. You can bring cash day of. Uh, Matt Susie has the free entry into this um, this event from winning the 10 stringer. Did we uh, find out if he won both? Did he win both? Did we find that out? I don't know if he <laughs> told us. Well, I don't think anyone told us because. No, I don't think so either. I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know if he won both. Uh, so that is coming up. Uh, I would love to give you pro series results, but apparently uh, asking was too much trouble. Yeah. Uh, someone get yelled at because 
it was on Saturday and they asked today and they were like, we took yesterday off. We, it was a busy, okay, we, relax, you know, just saying. Yeah. It would have been cool to give those results. The only thing I know is uh, congratulations goes out to Steve Reno Jr. and Danish Grenard. Yeah. Uh, from my understanding, they did win. Yeah, they the beat Pro uh, Series Dave, doubles. Dave and Jimbo. And if I can remember correctly, I believe Dave hit both of his shots, and then I think Reno Bear in the tent feel it. I think is what it was. Wow! So yep. yeah, it was a good. It was a good match. They were tight the whole way. It was really good. I think it was six pins going into the back five between uh, Reno and Day and uh, Godwin. Wow! So yeah, it was close the whole way. <laughs> yeah, really good match, and even there was there was a lot of good matches because even the one the quarterfinals that we watched uh, because the semifinals was all the way over at the other end. Quarterfinals, I think both matches were down to the last box, and then they had a roll off on the lanes beside us, <laughs> and then that match was I think it was two. 269 to 258 or something like that. Uh, like it was basically two four one thirties. Like it was a crazy, yeah, it was a crazy like two three I, hours of bowling. It was a lot of good bowling. I know the scores, the qualifying scores were a little low. Okay. Um, I I think eleven. It was like eleven ten or eleven oh something was the last qualifying spot. Okay. Which. I mean, I don't know if that's a product of, you know, bowling at Academy, which is, it's funny. It's one of my, I, I really love to bowl there. I do. It's a tough house, though. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say that. I find it to be a tough house. But right. then again, lately, I find everything to be a tough house. So. Yeah, I know. I saw the feel. real gutters. Yes. Good. Yep. Good. Um. We had uh, the Candlepins for Cancer live TV show was yesterday at Bolarama yep. in Portsmouth. Uh, some massive scores. So much, uh, though. Holy smokes. Like two, two, one, sixty-nines? Yeah, I know. Uh, Bray, um had a huge match in the first one against Winchell. Uh, I think he had a 457 triple in that. Um and only one by like sixty pins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, they yeah, both yeah. went around. Like yeah. Bopre was up, you know, four fifty seven, and Winchell was close to four hundred. I think. Yeah, I think you three ninety eight. Um, you know, Corey Packard. The next match, again, turns around and throws a four fifty one at Keith. So it was yeah. like, there you go, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know the rest of the scores. I just know that. Uh, Nate Lees defeated Corey, and then Nate bowled the number one seed, Jimbo, and won by six pins in the finals. So I know it was a close match. Um, those are all on the Candlepin Bowling Network, uh, where you can subscribe free. Just like Ripping the Rack podcast is on YouTube, hey. that you can subscribe free. Wow. Um, as, well as, as well as Spotify and all that good stuff. Um, the... WON out of New York is actually airing the Tom Olster Peter Flynn match this week in Brooklyn, New York. So they will be showing that down there. Oh, that's uh, neat. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. 
Uh, let's see what else we got going on. Uh, the qualifyings. Oh yeah, yep. So the next two Canopins for Cancer qualifying rounds. Uh, one will include a women's live show, uh, but the next qualifying will be Tuesday, October 11th, Thursday, October 13th, Saturday, October 11th at 11 and two, and Sunday, October 16th. I think I think that got screwed. I up. think. That's screwed up. I think, I think it's supposed to be the 15th or the 14th. Sat or the 15th. Saturday I am 15th. so I'm sorry. Folks, not only can I. Oh, I did read that correctly. Yeah, you did so, read it correctly. Yeah, yeah. He wrote it wrong. So, so the 11th, uh, the 13th, the, the gentleman that goes by the name of Paul Grant uh, sent us some wrong information. How how dare he? Um, so we've got October 11th, Tuesday, October 11th, Thursday, October 13th. Saturday, October 15th, and Sunday, October 16th. Qualifying's at Bola Rama in Portsmouth. The live TV show will be December 18th at 11 a.m. in Portsmouth. You can register at candletonsforcancer.com. And then the women's will have their own uh, their own show, excuse me, uh, qualifying rounds at Big 20 in Scarborough on Tuesday, November 29th, Thursday, December 1st. Saturday and Sunday, December 3rd and 4th, with the live TV show being mm -hmm. taped on Saturday, January 14th. Uh, and again, all qualifying <laughs> rounds and live TV shows will be broadcast on the Canopin Bullen Network, where you can register at canopinsforcancer.com. And the last thing I got, and then we can dive chat, into it. Because I got a couple of questions for Tommy. So, uh -oh. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got some. I've, I've, I'm a. I'm what they call a, a surprise journalist. I like to just surprise. Shoot uh, it. Just shoot it anywhere it hits. Yeah. Whatever. Um, apparently, the the ten thousand dollar golden raffle. Uh, they're selling two hundred tickets. Each ticket is a hundred dollars. Winner will receive ten thousand dollars. Candlepins for cancer receives ten thousand dollars. Go to Candlepin chat or message Deb Regan. That's cool. what I got. Nice. And I was trying to think. Uh, I do actually one one quick thing here. As soon as my can I go on record as saying I just I can't stand the way Facebook has changed. When you have two different profiles, you know your personal and then the business one, it just screws it all up. Yeah, you know? seniors have a hard time with that. Are you 55 I like guys? this guy. I like this guy. We should get him on more often. I am 51. I am not a oh, senior. Oh, I thought. Yes. Sorry, man. I actually I'm legit thought. Okay, my bad. Oh, he's definitely. A you can understand the mistake, though. Oh, absolutely. I understand. I mean, prime was in the 80s. I mean, I didn't even start bowling adults until the 90s. Oh, okay. You turned pro in the 90s. Got it. Actually, okay. 89. You set me straight. 89. 89. There you go. <laughs> See? Yeah, there we go. Uh, one one second here. Let's see. Uh, Friday You're night, really... I will say uh, Chris Winniars, uh, our, our resident Harry Potter, uh, wanted me to mention uh, that Jeff Bougia threw a massive 165 at Central Friday en route to a 390. Oh, I thought he but, wanted to mention that he had a 400. But <laughs> oh. he kicked his ass with a 166 and a 402. So. Okay. 
Harry Potter. There you go, buddy. I got you. I got you. I, you made I, you, he, he made the uh, he made the show. I enjoy the trash talk. I enjoy it. Props, Harry Potter. Props. Uh, let's see. One sec. You know what really grinds my gears? Oh no, we is that yeah what is that Stop. somebody somebody had to take one of our blue shirts so we couldn't have blue shirt blue shirt blue shirt we had to have blue shirt blue shirt boring gray shirt. Womp womp. I know. I was just really annoyed. I hate like we were so happy we're gonna go blue 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 but now we're blue blue pretty gray. Yeah yeah I hate winning in gray. God, right? that's, just, that's I know. You need to win in blue. Blue for Saturday, red for Sunday. If you're bowling a tournament and you're bowling on Sunday, always got to wear red. Just a thing. Joe would agree with that. I wouldn't know. Tiger Sunday. <laughs> Which I, uh, leads us into our top ten. He said he had some questions. I got one for him. I got, I got questions. I got a question for you. <laughs> All right, you go ahead. I'll let our guest that's, ask first question. Who's the question? That ball you got under your lamp. What's that? The, uh, the baseball. The, that's... the baseball? That is that is an autographed ball by Louis Tiat. I don't know if you can see in my background. I have one, too. That's my unassisted triple play. I was going to say, if we had two of those in the same spot, <laughs> I'd be pretty impressed, but. And then we have uh, an autographed. Uh, I was nine, by the way, in case anybody was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Nobody cares. I got, I, I got Jason Veritek right there, autographed Jason Veritek, autographed Andrews. And then uh, I got right there. Sweep the load, Johnny. That's Johnny Lawrence. Oh, no way. Good for you. Cobra Kai's awesome. We're, we're like at episode six of season five right now. I finished it. I, I binged it. So I yeah. have been on record as saying Johnny Lawrence was the true winner of Karate Kid. Yep. yep. I've gone on record and said that. Daniel LaRusso cheated. The number one rule <laughs> that they said was no kick to the was no strikes to the face. And he won with a crane kick to the face. So we agree on something. Uh William Zebka, who plays Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. Actually signed it said to Tim, you're the best around from the real karate kid. That is amazing, buddy. Yeah. Jealous so of that. Have... Not gonna lie. Good for you. She's gonna tune in just for that. She's not ignore me. She's gonna go right to that picture. Well, she should. Yeah. She should. Um so Question for you yeah. was during kind of the beginning of the pandemic, um, you had created this massive file in this simulation. I did. So what everyone truly wants to know is, did I win? You didn't. And actually, it's kind of depressing. Neither person who ended up in the finals are with us anymore. Mylon beat Trevor Smith. Mylon, I swear to God, Mylon beat Trevor Smith. I swear to you, and if you don't believe me, Jill's on the couch. No, She's I'm nodding not, I, her head. Oh, I, I believe you. Yeah. I, uh, I, Brian and I had this conversation uh, one night talking about that simulation when you posted the first part of it. Yeah. And we just 
number one, the massive amount of data that it took to do that and the yep. time and stuff. Um, it was cool. It was kind of neat to look back and, and just really see. I, I had no qualms that I was going to win because, as I told Calvin before we even went on air, I said, I'm guessing, because I, I qualified really high in that. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it's like a typical roll-off. I'm going to qualify really high, and then I'm going to get beat in the first <laughs> or second round because someone's going to throw a backdoor strike against me. And that's, you know, that's probably what happened. I have the back end of it recorded somewhere, but like, took off with hypothetical dream matches and I didn't want to steal anybody's thunder afterwards. And then I actually employed in pseudo government. So we got real busy with pandemic response. By the time it, by the time I had time to sit down and actually like post it, it was kind of out of fashion, but I should go back and actually just for, for fun, post the back end of that recording. That'd be pretty cool. I, I, yeah. I thought it was cool. I, I really enjoyed um, seeing Everyone on there, not just yeah. like I just thought it was really wrong. Kind of... I had like two Kevin Grattons. <laughs> 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 there are a lot of mistakes. People, every little typo I made, people were pointing it out. And I made one intentional one that Calvin caught when it, when I go, there's a, a skit where I'm saying that people should have responsibilities. I spelled responsibilities wrong. And the uh, only person to pick up on that was Calvin. Like, you spelled <laughs> responsibilities wrong. Like that's the only one I meant to. Everybody else picked up on every other spelling mistake I made. I was it was terrible. But anyway, yeah, a lot of fun. No, that was that was cool. How just out of curiosity, how yeah. long did something like that roughly? How long did something like that take you? Oh, the video took no time. I mean, the video we we're locked in our houses, so the video probably took like four hours of editing, and there's no scripting. I just kind of sat down and off the top of my head, I'm just bored. Jill and Jill and Violet wrote in the living room playing, so I just. Video took about four hours. Keying in all the stats 20 minutes after each term. I just got like a big Excel spreadsheet where I can, as soon as you have a bowler idea, I can just go in, pop in what you did for the day. Um, and then when I was, like I'm an economist by heart, right? So what I would end up doing is I'd try to figure out um, for sports betting purposes and find out, you know, which teams perform well in which situation. So I have this big algorithm that takes big data sets from pro sports and it'll distill it down into situational adaptiveness, like who performed, what teams perform well in what scenarios, day games, night games, with a player sitting out against a certain defense for football. And so I just basically took the logic from it, and I applied it to, to Candlefoot Bowling to, to generate it. The logic around the sports betting app took, like, I couldn't even tell you. It's yeah. just been chipping away at it since, 2002 and then we're oh so it's been 20 years of just kind of working on it and refining it but the process of like loading all that information in i think i did it in like a day and end so yeah less time than you think but you're on mute calvin you're on mute calvin the best version of calvin muted calvin yeah yeah i am muted i forgot about that i said you gotta you gotta uh take the uh both of them and post them both what? Both videos. Like you got to post them again. You got to finish them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll re up. I'll re up the first one. Or I'll stitch them together and just put the front and back. Yeah. No, it's, it's so I I'm a I'm a kind of a stat geek at heart. Like yeah. I, I I've always, Absolutely. you know, I, I I still remember growing up obviously because I I'm not 105 like Tommy thought I was. Um, you know, getting up in the morning and you know, kids, there was something called the newspaper. Yep. 
and we got it delivered every day. So, you know, like my stepfather was one of the editors of the Portland Press Herald, which is the largest paper in the state. So every night he'd come home and he brought the paper with him. So I'd wake up in the morning and as I'm eating my breakfast, I'm reading the sports page and I'm going to, you know, all the stats. Because you open it up and there it is, you know, and I'd look down through and say, okay, you know, Boggs was, you know, two for four, his batting average went up to, you know, so I, I'm a little bit of a stat geek. So it's kind of yep. those types of spreadsheets and those types of stuff is fun for me. Um, so, yeah. So when next you get time next time you're down, come over and I'll show you. Like, I've got a bowling shrine. Oh, it's not a bowling shrine, it's more like a sports shrine. I've got a lot of stuff. It all dates back to honestly, like, my father was involved in, uh, like, he general managed Keglers and, and Fairlanes, and they always had sports pools. And he would sit down after work with his ledger book, and he'd put in everybody's picks and what have you. And the mechanism of doing that night after night after night kind of made it so that you could ask them, like, I could, I could sit there and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when Pittsburgh beat Tampa Bay two years ago. I'd be like, no, they didn't. They lost 28-17. It cost Gerald the, the $50 pot. <laughs> Like just like that. Yeah. So it like it was so I could have sports conversations with my dad. I could be like, oh well, I'm gonna start just dumping a lot of info in, and I, eventually I've never gotten to his point of proficiency, but I could at least hold a conversation with him about different things. But anyway, yeah, that's where it dates back from. No, that and again with with bowling, there's just so many different stats that you can look at. Yeah. With, especially candlepin bowling. Yeah. Um, that you know I've always said it'd be. I, I wished I'd had kept track. I'd wished I'd done I'm trying to think of who it is that keeps every string that they've ever bowled. Um, oh, in the States or in Canada? States. States. Is it Mark Gregory? Did Mark do that? I can't remember. That'd be incredible if he did. Like oh. I, I I sit back and I'm like, how cool would it be? To look to at have, every string you ever bowled. To look at every string and be like, and, and input this into a database, whether it's an access database or an Excel data, something, and be like, I wonder how often I've hit the head pin. Like, what is truly my percentage of head pin hits versus object pin hits? Because what I tell people um, when they ask me for advice and just general advice and stuff like that is I tell them not to worry so much about score as much as it is to worry about object pin. Because if you're hitting your object pin and you're throwing it where you want to go, your score is more than likely going to relate to that. More than likely. Um, that's why I stink. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why you're so bad. That's yeah. why that's why Jill is so good. Yeah, okay. It explains you know, both. It does. Um, but I always thought it would be so cool to be look to be like, you know what? When I look down through and be like, wow, the best box or or so to speak in the ten is my third box. And start, well, why is that? And then you sit back and say, Well, you've had a couple of boxes to warm up, so now I don't know. I'm I get thinking these types yeah. of things no no for sure Dude, there's so many things you could dive into like chris Ryder and i took over one summer we started diving into different bowling sets and one of the concepts we came up was called relative value and what it basically to 
to like bring it down five or six notches. All right. So imagine you, Calvin, you bowled out of Kingswood for years, right? Would you agree that right now Kingswood's harder than Fairlands? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Significantly, right? hundred percent. So what r relative value does is it basically it was a number that assigned to okay, if you bowled at Kingswood, you're expected to carry 116 average. If you go on the road, what are you expected to do when you go to each house? And what we found was people who bowl at harder houses when they go on the road bowl a lot better, like to the tune of like upwards of six or eight pins on average when going to a tournament. People who bowled at easy houses, even when they went on the road and went to an easy house, their average would drop just for whatever reason. And if they went to a hard house, it could be like a minus 12, minus 15 pin swing in their average. So we would kind of sit there. And if you think back to um, the last world where before Chris won with, with Kingswood, we were with um, Chris Pobrezny and I think we had Dave Cooper, and, uh, Clayton Matheson. We're kind of like an island of misfit toys. A lot of good individual bowlers, but first team, first time bowling as a team. 2018? Uh, it was at it was in Canada, so I don't I don't remember the odd and even years. Was that in Moncton? Yeah. Yeah. Might yeah, have been. Must... Might have been sixteen. Sixteen no, no, or eighteen. Okay. No, wasn't it Fredericton fifteen when it was you and Andy? We beat you guys on Saturday. You beat A plus in the. Or are you bowling with Chris Ryder at this point? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's an odd. It would have been an odd number. So it would have yeah, been an odd number. It would have been fifteen or seventeen, I think. Yeah, all that, all that to say, you know, we end up, I mean, if you just look at talent level, no one has put us in the conversation for, for taking a shot to buy, but we missed the buy by seven pins. Brian Mayer threw a triple, ended up killing us. But oh, yeah. the team was kind of designed in large part around who, when they come to Fairlands, is going to stink less, like when we're thinking about who to pick up and who to kind of add to the roster, knowing that the pins were going to run so fast that, you know, we didn't, so we, Deliberately kind of pick people who bowl that hard house. Anyway, long story short, when you come to, to Moncton next time, just taking a look at some of the way we slice and dice stuff, it's kind of, it serves nobody but myself and Chris and Jill, but it's a lot of fun to just kind of look at and be like, really? Thing you wouldn't expect. Now, when you, because that's, to me, that's cool, because being a golfer, yep, there's the gin, your golf handicap index. Yep. Which is different for every course that you play. So this is leading me down the path of there is potential with this to create a true handicap, handicap. index for candidate bowling. And we should, the we should only, have that. Yeah. The only variable is when a house replaces their pins, you reset the the averages for that house because it totally throws everything into whack. Which is what King right? is right now. Yeah, exactly. So it takes about five years for everything. And this is proven over I, 20 years of stat. Take about five years for the averages to kind of normalize. They don't get back up to where they were when the pins were mushroomed, but they get back up to a point where they're at least stable and they're not, you know, the, the pins being so hard, it's also wrecking people's confidence. So how much of that is the pins? How much of that is a confidence issue? You know, when out-of-town bowlers come to bowl on a lane that has new pins or if they went to KV and bowled KV for a long time is arguably the hardest house in the province. In the province, in probably both. I don't I, think I don't think I've ever seen a harder house than KV. It, it, you'd be hard pressed when you know uh, I was bowling in a tournament. I had Corey Smith, Matt Cormier, 
Claude Schwerry back when Claude was 130 average and high average, like 114, something like that for, you know, a 27 string tournament. Yeah. 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 That's, You're going to be hard pressed tough. to find a hard average. Yeah. yeah. That's tough. That's, that's not, it's not fun for anyone when it, when it's. I think, so we have our, we have our mixed provincials. We used to have it at least every year. And KV was one of the houses. And I think the highest average I've ever seen was I think Adam Melanson had 117.2 or something. The highest average I've ever seen in that house. Wow. Yeah. After and he would have to have been like zombie brained to do that yeah. where, yeah. Like he'd pull out of his mind. Right there. Yeah. So did you also have it kind of, because the, the other thing with Candlepin, and I, I, I can't, don't know if this really applies to any other type of bowling. I'm sure it does. But you have your, if you're talking on a team or doubles or something, you have your pressure spots. You know, you get down into the ninth and tenth box and things like that. Did you ever look back at, because to me that would be cool as well, is to look back and go, how did I perform in, call it a high-pressure leverage situation? Yeah, Chris would, Chris would be geeking out if he was hit. He'd be somebody to have on this with me one day, but... One of the stats we came up with, we couldn't go box by box. So, we, like, we don't have the stats that goes down to how did Tommy finish, thank God, in the ninth and tenth box in post-match. But what we did have is how do you perform in strings that are fewer than five pins difference in the match, fewer than ten pins difference in the match, more than 30 pins difference in the match. And you do see their bowlers kind of fall into archetypes. There are certain bowlers who are front runners. Up 30, down 30. Sorry, Andy. But, you know... <laughs> You see the bigger games happen in those situations, and you see other people who like so 140 seem to happen when it's a five pin game or fewer, right? Um, also, what we did, you mapped out bowler life cycles. You have again bowlers who kind of come in, arc up quickly, and then kind of fade slowly. Think about Brian Renatch's type or uh, uh, Craig Holbrook type. Those are two people whose careers statistically have followed an, a very, very oddly similar pattern you look at just them by the numbers a computer wouldn't know the difference between brian bernatchez and craig holbrook that's not an insult to anybody but then you have somebody else who might have two or three good years and then all of a sudden regress and have a couple pretty decent years and then regress um so you can actually kind of project what is somebody likely to do over the next five years based on all those who have had similar paths and i mean we're using this in bowling but the context of the tool more broadly is like for fantasy football fantasy baseball right you're 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 taking behaviors you're you're breaking down actions you're saying okay how can i predict what's going to happen based on who these people are what the environment is what the situation is so i just took a tool bastardized it to put it to candles in bowling and the the stats just body like I, i i bowled a lot 2001, 2000, 2003, very little, four, five, and six. So I've got the stats as able to scratch together, but then from like seven onward, we're pretty competitive. And then from 15 onward, eh, you know, there's noteworthy I've got it, but the smaller stuff, no. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's that's kind of the, archety- the, the architecture of the tool that was used. It, it really wasn't a bowling term. And then I, I built a simulator on the back end of it, and that the spirit of that was just mainly for fun we'd have people over and you know we'd all throw a quarter in the middle being like all right who's gonna win this you know simulated nba season and 
you know, just kind of like for jokes. And you'd see Joel Embiid wins MVP. <laughs> okay, <laughs> something went wrong. But anyway. No, that to me that's cool. That, again, that's the the stat geek with bowling. That I don't know. I've I've just always oh, I know. enjoyed. I wish, I wish I had some of that. Like I wish I had, you know, because there's one stuff that I'm watching now. Because I have all my, like I have our 2015 finals, but the match before that I had 460, and like I'd love to see that match. Like I'd love to see how good I really was and stuff like that. And then it's that like, was against McLaughlin, right? Yeah, against yeah McLaughlin. against Cody Burke. Yeah, I had four sixty four or something like that. Like I just, yeah, I do have a little bit of Barry in me. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and then like two thousand nineteen, we had the last two boxes, but that whole match came down to one pin in the last two boxes, and we were open four to three. Like, it's those things that I wish I had, and I wish I had the pictures and the memories and the everything from it. Like, I wish I had all that stuff. Because, you know, you can look, with professional sports, you can look at all that. You can go back and see the 2014, how the Red Sox won, because it's all on somewhere. Like, it's you can go back and see when the Yankees were good in the 90s. You can go back and see all this stuff, but you can't see this stuff on candles and bowling. <laughs> like, we have stuff now, like we have yeah. little videos now that it's getting more popular and now that we have Facebook Live and all this stuff. But, like, it wasn't back then. I'd love to see McLaughlin win five in a row. I'd love to see... I, I don't I'd love see to see that. I'd I... love to see Tim... I'd love to see Tim's 4-7 pocket and makes the strike. Oh, my God, I so, so want to see that again. Right? That's the best backdoor strike I've ever thrown. Right, and sorry to hurt Chip Carson's feeling, but we do have the video of him plucking out two to lose the Worlds by one pin. Like, we have that, but I wish I could see the whole string and have everything and all. Like, we don't have that stuff. I wish we I, did. I would love to be able to go back and see some of the, some of the matches that I've had, good and bad. Um, yeah. Just, just to see, you know, it's, it's funny as is brian has asked me more than once like some of my favorite memories and and favorite matches and invariably some of my favorite matches are ones that i may have ended up losing yeah. but it was such a fun match yeah like my match against <laughs> mixed worlds finals <laughs> honestly great match. I mean, it was it was a great exactly. match and there's really, it, it's, it's the worst part. Even when you lose, you're upset about losing, but you can't be upset about how it happened. Like no, it's, I'm not. It's, I'm, it's great. It's, I mean, it really we, we, I, I have been a huge proponent of you win as a team and you lose as a team. There is no Absolutely. one person in a team event that loses it for you. And yeah. to anyone that comes back and says, well, you know, it, it's Morrison's fault because he didn't throw a mark in the ninth or tenth. Well, no, it's not. I missed an eight-pin drop in the ninth. Fucking wired. Held on to the ball, threw it left. You know, I make that, and we've got a 20-something pin lead versus a 17-pin lead. You know, there's, there's 48 boxes that come before the, the yes. last two, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. And nobody remembers, nobody remembers the person who threw away the third ball, looking, staring down three pins and got a seven. They remember the shot in the ninth or the tenth, but... You know, that's recency bias. Yeah, of course you remember the last thing that happened, but so many times people give up in the middle and then realize they have a chance at the end and then blame the end. 
you lost in the middle. Like not yeah. you personally, but no, no, so no, many no. times I played those. But I would, I would love to go back and see. You know, it's funny we talk about that backdoor strike, but you don't talk about the fact that it was, you know, through 390 in the match. Yeah. You know, Morrison yep. went 400 in that match. Uh, you know, the match before Morrison was 390 and I was 420. I mean, it was, no one, you don't think about that. You just think about, like Tommy said, the end. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest missed opportunities for the Belong community was not trying to, like when Matt Cleveland stepped away from the sport and the Land of Stuff website kind of wound down to a certain degree, it was a real missed opportunity for the bowling community not to kind of pull together and offer financial support to keep that going and maybe through some licensing agreement or, you know, the CCBA or ICBA did anything of note in that area to acquire that software so that people could log and record stats and have kind of, like you guys are talking about, a forensic record of what happened. Because so often you remember the winner, but you don't remember what led up to it. And the great thing about that land of stuff site was you could go on and you could, you know, when I first started bowling, MTNT was asserting themselves as being dominant. And I remember hearing the stories, but kind of like not having the context. And I started, I went on Matt's website and I started looking and you'd see, you know, Rob Henderson throw 460 in the semis to get by, you know, in a shootout match. It was 2011 to you know, 2003 or something crazy like that. And you're sitting there thinking like, how is that even possible? Like, that's, that's cartoonish. It's not realistic. All that's gone now. So what you have is other ways of, kind of but it's 2022. There really should be a site where you go and enter your, you know, eh, long story short, that was a big missed opportunity. And Matt, if you're listening or if anybody shares this with yeah. them, dude, revive the website and give me a call. We'll figure out a way to, Make it your, worth your while to do as long as you're being reasonable. So that that thing was a gift, a gift from the gods, and it just got squandered. I love people try to keep it alive. And I I more than once went back and and looked at some of those matches that I remember, whether it was my match, you know, one of our matches, like we had one with <laughs> with uh, McLaughlin during the round robin where we went 2060 and they were 2010 and they lost all eight. Like you bowl two thousand and you lose all eight. Like, yeah. I mean, but I some of those I don't know. It would it would be cool. Um, Tony LeBlanc coming out of retirement for he was retired for eight years with one year's worth of practice under his belt. Goes to Worlds, wins high average over Mike Morgan, but he throws eleven four hundred or uh, ten four hundreds to do it. Yeah, and nothing fun. over four ten. Just is is. 394 was his low match and 408 was his high. Like, just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, but gone. Yeah, it was, it, I don't know. It, it was, uh, man, it was fun back then. I know yeah. that was before both your time, but oh my God. I just, I am so lucky to have been, that, that Charlie asked me to bowl when he did. Um, because the things that I've been able to do and see, I mean, Oh my God! Some of the bowl, like just, I, I was able to watch uh, both Mark Gregory and Craig Holbrook bowl 505. Um, I, I just, I don't know. It's cool. It's fun. Pretty cool. So let's go through real quick because we teased it. So let's talk uh, <laughs> top ten sports dynasties. Now these are not, you know. 
the recognized leaders. What these are individual, our individual top tens that we would have. And this is done within the hour, folks. So yeah. We we just we just didn't know what we were gonna do tonight because we, you know, we're down a person. We I called four people. There, one of them, three of them called me back, just trying to get ideas, and we ended up getting a hold of Tommy and. That's what we came up with. So this yep. is gonna be fun. <laughs> so how do we how do we want to do this? Do we want to each give our individual top ten, or do we want to start with number ten, go through three, and then go down to nine we'll, and do? We'll go ten. Yeah, we'll go like we usually do: ten, nine, eight, seven. All six, right, five, go five, ahead, eight. Calvin. All right, just because I wanted to put it in there because we're bowlers and who cares? And I put McLaughlin truck and trailer as my number ten dynasty. Six out of seven years and however long they were still dominant and then came back and I mean the team was different but 2013 they came back and won it still with without Robbie Henderson and even beat them even beat Robbie's super team in the semifinals after the bye oh yeah it was that's great like couldn't write a better story than that so that's my number 10. Tommy? Uh, Golden Age Yankees so the reason why they're number 10, I know they were the most dominant baseball team in history to many people who are like curators of the game. But when you're hitting home runs on people who are bagging groceries on the weekend, I'm sorry. The Yankees were one of the few teams that were paid professional athletes yeah. touring the country to pay to play against some people who had never they played college ball and things like that. But they were making that day's equivalent of just a barely over minimum wage. Um so how, for how dominant they were, but for the lack of comp legitimate competition, Golden Age Yankees are my number 10. My number 10 is the San Francisco 49ers from 1981 to late 90s. Pains me to say it. I am not a Joe Montana fan, but damn, were they fun to watch in the 80s. Um, so that's my number 10. Solid. Nice. Tommy, what's your number nine? My number nine. Um, and again, this is kind of a, a half-loaded dynasty, but the uh, the Big Red Machine, Cincinnati Reds, um, again, very dominant. Nobody can question that. If they played in a more competitive age, they'd be much higher on the list. But when you're playing against a bunch of people who are on methamphetamines and <laughs> hard narcotic drugs, you can only get so many uh, points for that. So, yep, Big Red Machine. All right. Uh, my number nine, and I'm gonna throw to go? up a little. I'm gonna throw no, up I'll a little. I'll go. I'll go. No, I'll go. I'm going, and then you go. You no, because then you go last, and then you go first. Oh, fine. Go ahead. Steal it. No, Take fine. My you go ahead. No, nope. you go ahead. No, go ahead, you're Calvin. gonna throw up a little. No, nope, I, I don't want to anymore. Okay, I am gonna throw up a little in my mouth and go with the LA <coughs> Lakers of uh, 1976 through. I, I actually included the Lakers of the 2000s in this as well. So it was kind of a two-split dynasty. A split dynasty. The, so you got the mid to late 70s to the early 90s. And then you have the 2000s with Kobe and Shaq and, and whatnot. So um, Fair. I, I will go with the Showtime Lakers uh, as my number nine. Nice. Calvin, who do you have as number nine? Darling, I will take number nine. My number nine is the uh, San Antonio Spurs, the old Popovich and 
Duncan and Robinson basically from 2000 to 2014, never missed the playoffs. Won two, three championships, I think, two. Multiple. I think they won two or three. Yep. Yeah, multiple yep. championships. You know, 14 years of basically just winning. And I believe, I think, except for a few years up against the Lakers, they were number one or number two every year. So that was my number nine. Okay. Uh, I will start the round of eight. Uh, I have, and again, I'm going to throw up a little bit in my mouth. And it pains me to say this. I have a split dynasty. It's the New York Yankees. Uh, from the uh, right around the late 40s to 1963, and then again from 96 to 2010. You're rolling both together? I am. Yeah, I know. I wow. Am. Okay. Not All right. I am. Only because I'm only putting them on here once, so I will include both <laughs> dynasties. <laughs> Considering I wasn't going to have them on here at all, and then yeah. I was like, come on, even a uh, even a true diehard Red Sox fan has to put the Yankees on a top 10 sports dynasty list. Just saying. All right. We go number eight. Yeah, why not? I got the uh, Gretzky Edmonton Oilers as my number eight. Five Stanley, five out of six years. Yes. Five out of seven years, Stanley Cup champions. I, there's basically nothing else more to say. They just, young team. One guy and one big guy to protect them. And that's all they needed <laughs> for five years. So that would be mine. Uh, this one might be a little off the beaten path because one person gets all the re recognition, but the U.S. Postal Service um, Tour de France team. And right away, what you no, need to understand. Actually, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad. That's not a bad. Calvin thinks it is. Well, so, Calvin's, a, Calvin's an idiot. So Lance Armstrong was the generational talent, kind of stood in front. But if anybody puts any baseball teams from like '92 until 2004 or five in this list at all, with the PEDs and and everything that's coming out of baseball, then it would be super hypocritical to say, "Oh, Lance Armstrong, steroids," because the entire field was doing it, and they were the Tiger Woods of the sport. Yes. Lance Armstrong was the face of it, but it took a team. Lance Armstrong was a crappy team. Doesn't post the times as a collective whole to go ahead and bring home the yellow jersey every year. So U.S. Postal Service is my next entry. No, I just love that you went into the U.S. Postal Service. That's I, I what I was laughing I at. Not even great. the fact that you're just like Lance Armstrong, Tour de France. Like that's good. That's all you could have said. But you went into the the U.S. Postal Service yeah. team. Uh, Tommy, take number seven. Okay, this is where I have slotted the uh, the eighties Forty Niners. What? was Tim's number eight? I must have missed it. I must have blanked. I think he let off. I had, I had the Yankees. Yankees. I let off. I just want you to say it again. I just want you to say it again. I know. It One does. more time. Yankees. Jeter. 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 That's going to be our, our new bowling champ for Tim. Uh, this is where I have the 80s 49ers. Montana and Young, you have continuity. You have the 80s was legitimization of the NFL. You had the USFL shutting down. So all the talent. Well, you make the argument that it began during the, but um, yeah, the, the USFL shutting down to Herschel Walker and, and all of them are joining the league mid dynasty. 
the dynasty pers uh, perseveres on, um, that would be my number seven. Calvin, you want to go? Or you want me to go? I can go if you want. Okay. Um, I my number seven is because I want to be biased, and that would be the San Francisco Giants from 2010 to 2014. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. So stop. What? What do you mean? I know what you're doing. I don't you know what you're talking about. They won every even year. We won every odd year. Moose What are you talking about, man? That's not my number one or anything. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Anyways, San Francisco Giants. Just number Shenanigans. Three, three yeah. to five years. Just nobody, every year, nobody said they were going to win. And they just... Somehow. So that's the hallmark of a dynasty. Every year, people thought, and every other year, they were terrible. What yeah. a dominant force. That's I guess a great I, that's a great dynasty great right there. Great dynasty. Check all the boxes. Yeah. Uh, my number seven yeah. is where I actually put McLaughlin truck and trailer. Uh, having, a, yeah. having a front row seat to their um, front of excellence. Uh, where we we lost to them a couple of times in the semis. Um, I will say we did beat them in the finals. Um, so, yes, for all the reasons that we've talked about, McLaughlin Truck Trailer, I I have number seven. Uh, Calvin, you want to go number six? Number six, sure. I will. Um... This one's more of a recent one, and I'm going with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, three Stanley Cups in a row, four Stanley Cup finals in a row. They have been uh, conference finals, I think, six or seven years in a row. They lost, the, or six out of seven years, I think, they lost the first round to Columbus one of those years. That weird year that Columbus just went nuts. Um, so that was mine. A little more recent, but I think it's a good dynasty they got building, even if they don't win in a couple of years or whatever. But three Stanley Cups in a row. Pretty good. Um, I don't know. Am I taking this one, Tommy, or you? You go ahead. Don't remember. I don't remember. I think you were supposed to double up. You were supposed to double up on six. Yeah, whatever. Take <laughs> draft. Get your pack. All right. Snake trapped. I don't I even know if I'm allowed doing this. Go ahead. No, I just I, can't wait till I can't wait till draft night. I got like three hockey pools and two <laughs> basketball pools. I can't wait till draft night. <laughs> Speaking about basketball, I don't know if I'm allowed doing this, but LeBron James, just period. Two things. One, he know. has he has an empire around him. But when you can go from, from the Cavaliers to the Heat, back to the Cavs, to the Lakers, and instantly every team, I mean, we're in the twilight of his career, I get that, but instantly every team's not only competitive, but you find yourself in the finals year after year after year after year after year, and you basically own a decade's worth of either finishing number one or finishing number two consistently. You are a dynasty, and I, I don't believe him to be the best 
player to ever play basketball, but I do believe that the de- the degree of difficulty of basketball is easier now than it was in the 80s and 90s, but the level of athlete that plays the game today and the way that the athletes who are playing are sheltered until the time that playoffs comes around, completely unrivaled. So the best athlete playing against other very good athletes and every year he's in the finals, got to give it to him. I'm not a LeBron fan. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't question his greatness as a player. Um, I just, and, and, and again, you don't hear anything about him off the court other than doing wonderful things for the community, you know, married his high school yeah. sweetheart, all of this stuff. I just don't like the antics on the court. It no, I don't like the way, I don't like nuts. the way he plays. I'm sorry, you're 6'8", 280 pounds, yet you think if he gets hit, he gets thrown into the third row. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. And I, and I also don't like the fact that, listen, buddy, you are good. You are almost great. But the fact that you have basically two to three years left in your career, you're taking a two-year, $97 million contract, you do not need that money. You can take half of that, get them to pay you royalties of whatever to pay your contract, and at least find two or three more guys that are young superstars that you can actually develop. The problem is leagues. Well, the problem is is the NBA bargaining agreement does not allow Thank for you. things like that. That's the problem. It's not, it's like not that, football. It's not, it's not like Tom that. Brady taking that. Right. The, the bargaining unit for the NBA is one of the strongest bargaining units out there. And they have, they have gone ahead and created this system that allows or forces a team to do max contracts. You can't do, you know what, Calvin, I know how great you are. I'm going to give you, even though I know I, I have, I'm supposed to give you $30 million, I'm only going to give you 10 well, it doesn't. The, the bargaining units don't allow that. Well, yes, it's but, foolish, but yeah. I get it. Um, my number six is where I put uh, San Antonio Spurs uh, from the late nineties to two thousand fifteen sixteen. Um, Tim Duncan. I mean, for all that Calvin had mentioned between Duncan and Robinson, and you know all of them, uh, Popovich. They just they were tremendous. So. Uh, number five is where I have Alabama football from 2009 <laughs> now. Um, I am not a Saban fan. I don't like Nick Saban, but damn, you cannot say anything about what he's done for Alabama football in the last 13 years. Yeah, there's no debate there. No. Nope. Uh, Tommy, what you got? Number five. Number five, I have, I call them the golden era Celtics, but Larry Bird Celtics, basically. You have a team that had basically a lineup of Hall of Famers um, and won everything there was to win, competed, and played basketball in arguably the most physical era of basketball um, in a market that's notoriously hard to win over a fan base. Boston's not a community that, I mean, yeah, the Patriots kind of did it, but you don't win over 
downtown Boston so easily. Um, and yet they're able to uh, establish themselves and beat plenty of very good teams on the way. Calvin, what you got number five? This is where I have the Lakers, the 2000 Lakers. Okay. The Kobe, Shaq yep. era, the just domination. And even when Shaq leaves, two more. So that's where I have the Lakers. And then number four is where I have the Yankees. This is where I have the Jeter Yankees, the 2002, whatever. Yep. And oh, just, since, just since that was my last uh, baseball one, I'll do my honorable mentions just for you, Tommy. Sure. Nice. Just Thank for you. you, the Atlanta Braves. Just for you. Hey! Because, I mean... One title, really... hard to put them in, but yes. Yeah, 14, 17 exactly. straight years. Of, one title, but... Ball. Yeah. 14 straight, like... How do you even argue with it? Absolutely. Yeah, Thank you. That was my honorable mention. Tommy, <laughs> what do you got number four? Number four, got the 80s Oilers. We yep. All the points mentioned before. Yep. If Gretzky and Messier, enough said. I, I actually did not have uh, the 80s Oilers on my list. I have them as honorable mentions. Okay. Um, my number four is the UConn women's basketball team from 1999 <laughs> to 2016. Just, you're just going way deep, aren't you? <laughs> hey, when you, when you were undefeated, weren't they undefeated for a stretch of spanning years? Ooh, I forgot how many years. Um, yeah. But like if I like if I want not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with women's sports because I know that's where this might lead. But if I was gonna go as deep as that, I'd be going to like the Carlton. Uh, uh, fuck, I can't think of their second name. Anyways, Carlton basketball team in uh, university sports in Canada. They went like twelve straight years of undefeated season or something like that, and like. 10 straight titles, something. It was ridiculous. I think the difference might be, though, like every college in America has female athletes, and every single one has the ability to train, to recruit, to... I don't, I don't think the talent pool is so shallow that it, it delegitimizes what they're able to accomplish. No, I would say, like... Not. You put that team against an NBA team, and it's like putting any college team against an NBA team, they're going to get slaughtered. But the fact that that program is able to figure out, okay, we're going to be the best at recruiting and development and, you know, just winning basketball, yeah. and we're going to stomp on opponents' throats while we have them. Um, I, I get why you're, I, I get both sides of the coin, how competitive it's the field, but it's every college in America. I mean, yeah. Think of it that way. And each college in the state, it's not like in Canada where, you know, I don't know how many folks attend St. Mary's, so I don't want to insult the institution, but you might have a couple hundred athletes. You're talking about campuses with hundreds of thousands of kids, like in UCLA. Oh, yeah. So for the University of Connecticut to go and beat big, big programs on the regular by wide margins and not even be close to being touched, something to be said. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Who's next? Uh, I think you are for number three, aren't you? I don't know, was I? I lost track, so... Sure, uh, go number three. This is where I have the Chicago Bulls from 1990 uh, to 1998. Uh, three? Yeah. Uh, there's some uh, 
There's got to be some New England bias or yeah, coming up so. here. I they put them at three. Yeah. Why I wouldn't I have them at three? What? I, there's going to be some Bruins shenanigans. No, followed by I have. That. I do three. not have the Bruins in my top ten or an honorable mention. Good. You shouldn't. Impressive. I don't. I, I, if I, I hear 04 Red Sox, then I'm I'm yeah. just shutting the call down. I do not have the Red Sox <laughs> in here. And here's and here's why I'll tell you why I don't have the That's Red okay. Sox, even though they okay. won more World yeah. Championships in the 2000s than any other team. They've also had more last place finishes than yeah. So. Kind of Calvin, that still makes a dynasty. Well, kind of tough to be a fucking down yeah. dynasty when you you're either losing every game or you're winning the title. So, yeah. uh, but I do have the Bulls of uh, the '90s uh, with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and all of them. Dennis Rodman. Okay. They they were. I, it pains me to say it, being a diehard Celtics fan. Um, it pains me to say that uh, they were by far the best dynasty of the '90s. In that era. So. Okay. Next. Who's got My number three. Yeah. And again, dynasty, if you want to look at it as a broad term, Tiger Woods. Um, you have an athlete who, at a very young age, came and absolutely dominated in a way that wasn't seen since Mike Tyson, who is an was my honorable mention for this category. And although one individual in this case is doing all the winning, there's an entire team behind him making sure his training's on par, making sure that all of his, you know, everything that goes into the game of golf is easy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Tiger Woods. And I will say this, I had Tiger Woods at number one. um, And then I took, I put him into my, honorable mention because i ended up changing my concept and going with actual teams okay. uh, but <laughs> stole my thunder because i didn't i was like nobody's gonna pick tiger woods like why would they even <laughs> pick that? <laughs> sorry Mike. anyway my number three is where i'm not even going to talk about it we're just going to skip it as i go the shitty new england patriots i don't care suck it so, Brady. so why Jesus. do you why do you have him at number three calvin why yeah, why not number two or one? Because I want to throw up if I say they're new. So they got lucky <laughs> to get third. They almost got uh, honorable mentions just because, just in a spite. So New England Patriots are my number three. And number two is where I have the Chicago Bulls. Number That's two. Chicago Interesting. Bulls. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chicago Bulls, everything. Jordan Pippen, whatever, everything. Uh, I'll go. My number two is the... New England Patriots from 2001 until 2019, 2020. God, I have no idea who your number one is. I think that's a, that's a sweep across the board. I've got the Brady Belichick Patriots number two. Yeah. yeah. All right. Our number ones, folks. Tommy, lead it off. Jordan Bowles. Yeah. I figured yours. Jordan Bowles. <laughs> it's the only right answer to the question. No. It <laughs> it is we prepared for a right test. Answer. We prepared it's, for yeah. a test. Name the... Okay. Brady had to overcome Peyton Man for the most part. Yeah. But, but Peyton Manning still beat him. Just saying. Peyton Manning still beat him. Three to two. 
it's a different sport. You e- had Eli did. Eli, Eli beat did. him twice, but Pey- but Peyton Manning finished because there's there's a thing that always goes around that Brady was two and five against the Manning brothers. Hmm. Not factually accurate. In the playoffs, yes. Mm-mm. Yes, a thousand percent, a thousand percent, yes. You might okay. want to rethink that. In the in the playoffs, yes. Yeah. Peyton Manning up against Tom Brady is up three to two. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> factually correct. It's, it's, so. it's, okay. It's, well, the forehead <laughs> is not up three to two. So. <laughs> all right, Tommy. Go ahead. for a moment. Think about all the stars that were in the NBA in the nineties. Like just at, from any particular year, you're naming like they're not even just good players. Like generationally good players, every year he played, and they could not compete. They they couldn't contend well, except for the time he left the league to go play baseball. It, well, he didn't leave to go play baseball. He got kicked out of the NBA for a couple of years for gambling, and had to go play baseball. Let's just call it for what it is. We all Not know that. Not if you trust the ESPN documentary. So here's <laughs> the thing. If Jordan doesn't push off on Steve Kerr, they don't win. Not okay. Steve Kerr. Not Steve Kerr. Uh, Byron Russell. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Utah. Yeah. Yeah. You're so, so that's You're not going to deny Michael Jordan his first championship. It, Again, that that that's a great narrative. But if you're saying maybe he never wins, he was scoring like fifty a game. You you are not going to deny. <laughs> I love you, Tim. I love you, but like you just got to come back down to earth a little bit. I, controversy is great. He's Michael Jordan. <laughs> He's Michael Jordan. Look, I, I have, and even Calvin has heard me say this. I have gone on record as saying Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I have said that, and I will continue to say that. I believe him to be the greatest basketball player of all time. Not the greatest winner of all time. That would be Bill Russell in basketball. But but look at the competition Russell had. You're playing against people who had day jobs. Like, this is is the argument. Will will Chamberlain not have day jobs? No, no, no. The the top stars, but the complementary of the league either had drug problems, day jobs, or both. Sure. Yeah. The, yeah, the same is not true of the '90s Bulls. You're not telling me Carl Malone is bagging groceries at Superstore. <laughs> so I would have liked to have seen, and you can never do this, and I know that. And this is yeah. more of a, you know, an argument, so to speak. I would have liked to have seen the '85-'86 Celtics against the was it the '95-'96 Bulls or the '96-'97? I can't remember which one. The '72 win Bulls team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Against the 85 86 Celtics, who is, you could argue, is one of the greatest teams of all time. Yep. I, I agree just, with that. I mean, that'd, that'd be a competitive series. Jordan would win it. I don't. In, in six more often than not. I don't know who would be. I, I don't know who would win that series. I really don't. I'd love to think the Celtics would. But, you know, I, I would come back and be like, who the hell is going to stop Larry Bird in his prime? Uh, there's no answer to that question aside from, you know, Larry Bird didn't play the majority of his games against the Cal. He never played Shaq. No. You know what I mean? Like, 
Bird never had to play Shaq. Bird never had to play Malone. No, Bird, Bird never had to play, play Stockton. Bird had to play Bird never had to... And Bird had to play Magic. And Bird had to play Dr. J. And Bird had yep. to play Moses Malone. And Bird had to... Yeah. So... You're not, yes. you're not wrong. But then once you start going down that depth chart and you start getting into the 100th best player in the, in the NBA, I would love to see how the 100th best player in the NBA in the 70s would stack up to the 100th, 100th best player in the NBA in the 90s. Because college it's sports became institutionalized in the 80s and it started feeding stars in the NBA. Yeah, you have legitimate college programs yes. grooming athletes versus people like you, you had walk-ons on the NBA teams in the 70s. Yeah. Well, if, if I recall, I was local. I could be like, oh, I'm in. one, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, no, Calvin okay. Right. <laughs> Calvin, who do you got as number one? Uh, this is where I have Tiger Woods. I, you, you're you not wrong. I mean, I mean, yeah. even if you, even if you look at like, yes, you say the, you know, um, uh, Michael Jordan and like Tom Brady, and you talk about these guys who dominated their sport. Tiger Woods was basically unbeatable for mm-hmm. 20 years. Like, Tiger unbeatable. Woods had more of an influence in the game of golf than Michael Absolutely. Jordan did in the game of basketball. A hundred percent. It made yes. people. It made people want to actually watch golf to see this guy beat everybody and to see this guy make the these comebacks on Sundays and. Tommy's thinking about this. No, they're similar phenomena. I'd say they're equivalent. Because, like, NBA blew up in in the Jordan era. Golf blew up in the Tiger Woods era. I think they were equivalent phenomena. And probably, I I would... Go ahead. The difference is basketball really was saved in the 80s with Magic and Bird. Yep. Okay. And then Jordan came along and took it to the next stratosphere. The, the, The difference that I can see is golf was a white man's sport, a rich white man's sport, until Tiger came along. Not saying anything about Jack. Jack was my all-time favorite golfer. I love Jack Nicholas. But it was a rich white man's sport until Tiger came along. He sur- certainly defined the sport, and he made it way more accessible. Yeah. He made it so that people understood. I, I always... I liken it to what Kelly Stoyles did for women's bowling. People weren't aware of the level of competitiveness that the ladies were capable of until Kelly demonstrated it. And then people started saying, wow, like, yeah, anybody can be 120, even me. It doesn't matter that I don't have or I have an extra chromosome or don't have an extra chromosome. Like that manner of thinking then applied to golf. And all of a sudden you did see over time, Tiger come down a little bit in the field, kind of catch up a little bit, but Generational talent to find the sport. There's no way not to put him on on the list. I totally wholeheartedly agree. Again, I he's would, the Jordan I, of his sport is what everybody would say, right? Like, yeah. again, I had him at number one. I removed yeah. him when I just decide. I made the decision on my own to go just teams versus yeah, yeah versus that's that. Um, I have the Boston Celtics from '56 to '69 against another split. 5669 and then 1980 to 1988. Um I mean Hard to dispute. Yeah. I, I mean again, is some of that being Homer? Sure. Diehard Celtics fan and have been since the since the mid to late 70s. Um <laughs> I'm lucky enough where I got to watch almost every game of Larry Bird's career. So um 
you know, it's to me, it's uh, it's hard not to put the Celtics up there. Now, I will say I did have uh, UCLA basketball, uh, the John yep. Wagner, uh, yep, as a uh, as a um, honorable mention, honorable mention, um, as well as the Edmonton Oilers and. Uh, don't do Angela. it! No, don't guess, do it! Guess, don't who, do guess it. who's don't not in it. my honorable mentions? Angela. Yeah, don't do I don't it. even know. I mean, don't don't do it. What's the reference? The toilet seat. The toilet seat. Oh. Uh, they were they were in my honorable mentions. I had I had the Golden Era Canadians, but I left them out. Kind of the same reason why I didn't put the Celtics first. It's like the level of competition in the fifties. If, if you were any good, you were gobbled up by the Montreal's of the world. They're really four and, big teams. And there was always era. like only seven to twelve teams in the league until they started expanding. So Yeah. And even then the expansion teams were not even they were just yeah. exhibition games effectively. Yeah. Um I had the I had the Islanders. I figured the Islanders that one fortunately would crack somebody's I mean, if I, if I, I wasn't biased I, on the Giants, I probably would have put the Islanders in there. I debated the Islanders of the um, of the 80s. Uh, yeah. You know, again, could they have been on there? Sure. They, they absolutely could have. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't have the Bruins anywhere near them uh, because, honestly, they haven't done anything. Yeah, they made the playoffs for 20-plus years in a row, but let's face it, it's hockey. Half the teams made the playoffs for however many years, so it's hard to and sit there and. And you know, it's like eighty percent of the time the same sixteen teams that make the yes. playoffs. <laughs> yes. Um, Have the nineties Red Wings? I'll uh, a couple uh, more real quick. Yeah, nineties Red Wings, and I I left them off because I left the Spurs off. And Spurs is the other one. They're kind of the same-ish to me. A couple titles, yep. but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I had uh, I had them on there at one point. Um, you know, when you're making a top 10 list, you, there are people that you have to sacrifice. There are people that aren't going to make it for various reasons. And some of it's, you know, some of it's personal. Some of it's, you know, like I wasn't going to put the Yankees up higher. Um, I wasn't going to put the Canadians on my list at all. <laughs> um so, and I certainly wasn't going to put like the Steelers of the seventies and things like that. So, you know, and I definitely wouldn't have had the Cowboys like Brian would have had the Cowboys in there. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> so um, since, since we, since we have them on and I mean, we have really just been looking at Brock Lesnar's crotch for the last half an hour <laughs> to 45 minutes, but you know, a little lower than that is a nice title that I would like to have Tommy, if you, uh, when are we getting that challenge going? Hey, you named the play. I actually wanted to match with Timmy yesterday. I figured we could uh, kept on calling him Timmy yesterday, try to bait him into some kind of response, but no, he doesn't seem interested. So, yeah, you pick the day and time, man. I'm available. I'm getting a uh, little deco that goes over it with Campbellton Bowl and stuff. That way, I can just uh, remind everybody the real Kegos champ before the world ended. Yeah. I win one tournament. And, and even get the powers that be say, okay, we got to unleash a pandemic because, <laughs> you know, the oh, order of the world isn't right. But you know what? Call my shot once, I'll do it again. Take any time. Anytime. Yep. But you really, to make it fair, you should have to go through Ethan and Adam again. I'm not going to make you, but at least beat one of them. Well, at least yeah. beat one. I can I, beat my offspring. If you can't, I don't know why I'd give you a shot. I think Ethan's next in line over you. What? <laughs> You I need to. 
Adam Adam took care of that for me, and then I just did my best Brandon Marks impression, and here I am. Yeah, exactly. So my question, Tommy, is: Okay, you can beat your offspring. Can you beat your wife? <laughs> oh, okay. Number one, that that phrasing was oh, totally bad. Shit. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> for those who might be listening, that would never okay. happen. Okay, let me. But let can me, I? Let me contend with it. Can you? Uh, not God. No, can you beat your wife on lanes without physically hurting your wife? So the mere fact that we are together is a sign that yes, I can. And the reason why I say that is I actually won her affection in a bowling match. Our first, the way I got my first date because I was five years younger than her, and I was Jamie's little brother, and she was, you know, That's like go long time ago, time. kind of rivals. I'm sorry. It'll be quick. It'll be fast one. I challenged her. But if I, that, Calvin, don't worry. <laughs> if I we bowled, and if I outscored her, which is a better term than if I beat her, but if I outscored her, then she'd give me a date, and she threw 142. I marked out for 147, and here we are, 20, 21 years later, whatever it is, still going strong. So I could do it then. I could do it now. Anytime I want. Bye. <laughs> Her condition she'd put on me is that I can't use this. That's how I win most of my matches. Second I start doing this, she'd be like, stop, you're embarrassing me. Why am I out in public with you? And it caused a whole host of problems. So conflict of interest there, but fair situation enough. came down to it. We both know how it would go. In a fair, fair fight, enough. no way. Uh, I can talk around the pins, I got a chance. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, All right, we've gone way over. So the three listeners that are still here thank you very much we appreciate it uh at least in violet i appreciate it thank you yeah get your uh you know certainly want to thank our guests for joining us on short notice uh jill woods uh we're gonna call him jill woods lesser half lesser half i'll take that how about tommy tommy deroche tommy 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 wood deroche or tommy deroche wood either one no, no, uh, thank you, Tommy, for joining us. Her. Really appreciate it. Uh, definitely will have you on again uh, at some point. Um, as long as you have me as number one on something. I don't care even what it is. I don't care. I'll invent a list for you, Timmy. Invent a list. Thank you. The Tim list. Uh, folks, don't forget, get your questions, comments, everything over to us at rippingtherackpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at rippingtherackpodcast. Uh, let's see. We don't have Brian here to do our dulcet tones. Only, so we got OnlyFans. We got whatever <laughs> accounts. We got whatever you want. Whatever you listening. want. You know, yeah. find find Brian on OnlyFans because he's not here. Big booty, Big booty. Brian. Uh, but you can also find us on Spotify. You can find us on Anchor, Breaker, uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all the good stuff. I mean, um, I don't know why we do this because if they're listening to us already, they know how to find us. <laughs> I don't know because we've done it. Like, subscribe, and share. Share yeah. the crap out of it. There you go. Yeah, like, like and share and all the good yeah. stuff. There you go. Uh, be kind to one another. Mouth off a little bit, but don't don't hit anyone. Oh, Ellen. Uh, all the good stuff. Other than that, Tommy, thank you again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for having us, guys. Have a good week, guys.